Welcome to the TDL Project. You're listening to the fifth episode of an Arcane Recap and Reaction series. I'm re-watching, recapping, and sharing my thoughts on each of the episodes of the fantasy animated show Arcane. It is currently streaming on Netflix. As of now, we already know that Arcane Season 2 is definitely a go. And recently, the Riot Games CEO, Nicolo Laurent, tweeted about it. He said, quote, So yeah, we are working on Arcane Season 2. The good news, you won't have to wait for six years, the time it took us to make season one. The bad news, it's not coming in 2022. <laughs> so it looks like it's going to be a long wait for the fans. But wow, at least it's it's not going to take six years like the first season, right? Um, for me, they can take as much time as they need if it means that it will match the bar that was set by season one. A lot of high expectations now, so coming up with something that's less that's anything less than the quality of season one will be a disappointment. And with that said, let's continue with our recap of episode five. Please be warned that heavy spoilers will be included. Also, I would like to reiterate that when I do these recaps, I don't do a minute by minute or a scene by scene. Instead, I follow one point of view before jumping to another one. I find that this gives it a better flow and it's much easier to follow. Arcane Episode 5 is entitled, Everybody Wants to Be My Enemy. In the previous episode, the last scene was with Caitlyn meeting Vi in prison. And for Episode 5's cold open, we see a young Caitlyn practicing target shooting with Grayson. We remember her as Marcus's boss in Act 1. She was killed by Silco's gang. I would have to say that Caitlyn looks so much like Powder, especially with the blue hair. And for a moment there, I thought I was watching a backstory of Powder. But it was definitely Caitlyn. I think we needed this flashback to build her character up because later on in the series, we would see that she's an excellent shooter. So of course, there has to be a reason for that and I love that they added this detail for that. This series does not compromise and it's one of the reasons why it's so well made. Plus, it also reinforces the fact how good of a person Grayson was. So after a round of shooting, Caitlyn asked Grayson if her parents paid her to let her win the trophy because she saw her hold back. Grayson said she wasn't paid, she just thought Caitlyn deserved it. Being an enforcer protecting the city was trophy enough. So it made me more sad that Grayson was gone. She was really a good person. On the next scene, we're back at present time. Caitlyn was talking to Vi in prison. She was questioning Vi about her background because Vi didn't have any criminal records. And most importantly, she was curious on why Vi attacked the inmate whom she originally came for. Vi did mention that that inmate works for Silco, as they all do. She was visibly annoyed with his questioning, understandably because she mistrusts people, especially enforcers. However, when Caitlin showed her the markings that Jinx left, this has gotten her attention immediately and demanded Caitlin to tell her where they came from. Caitlin tells her it was evidence from the attack and that she needs proof Vi was telling the truth. Vi tells her she could get her that, but not from inside the prison. Caitlin was like, she would just look for the evidence herself then, thank you very much. However, she did come back and showed a release order for Vi to the prison guard. It was quote-unquote signed by Jace Tallis, the newly appointed counselor. It was a forged signature, of course, but the guard didn't know any better. After getting out of prison, Caitlin and Vi were well on their way to uncover some evidence against Silco. Caitlin was struggling to keep up with Vi as the ladder runs through the Undercity. 
And by the way, I love this scene. It shows you under city's landscape, and it was just a great animation. I thought they really did a good job. When Caitlin was finally able to catch up with her at the lanes, Vi gave her clothes, which she stole from some thugs uh, she beat up, to disguise Caitlin's enforcer uniform. They went to a local fish or slug vendor to eat, which was, to be honest, disgusting. And the vendor gave Vi a napkin with a symbol on it. Vi apparently knows what the symbol meant as she went straight to a brothel and talked to the yordle who owns it. I tried to look up what a yordle is, and in League of Legends, apparently they are a race of spirits who generally take the appearance of mammalian bipeds. Vi learned from the yordle about Tilko's rise to power through the years and how no one was able to stand up to him. She asked about Potter too, but the only information she got about her was the location of Savika, Silco's number two. Vi tracked down Savika at the last drop and attacked her. She demanded for information about Powder and Savika told her that Powder now works for Silco and she's like her daughter. A 1v1 fight scene ensued. Vi was really strong but Savika's left mechanical arm was enhanced by Shimmer. She almost hit Vi with a devastating blow when Caitlyn came to the rescue. Thanks to her excellent shooting, Caitlyn was able to make Savika run away. Okay, so we have to pause a little bit now and talk about Caitlyn a little bit more because we got to know her, especially when they were at the brothel. I wasn't actually expecting this, so I was a little bit surprised when Vi and Caitlyn flirted. And as gay as I am, I, w- I squealed a bit from the inside. I think we do get a confirmation that Caitlyn is at least bisexual, especially when Vi saw her thoroughly enjoying her conversation with one of the girls in the brothel. So we have a great story plus gay characters. I mean, Arcane is just getting better and better. (laughs) So uh, let's now move on to Marcus, Silco, Jace, Victor, and Jinx. After holding a funeral for the six enforcers who died because of the attack, Marcus went to Silco and was really mad about what happened. Silco was supposed to control Jinx, but she pushed it too far this time, he said. He said the council's up in arms and one way to make this go away is to arrest Jinx. Silco dismissed this immediately and told Marcus that what he needs is to do his job. The Firelights have ambushed his shipments on the same day of the attack, so the council has their culprits right there. Marcus tried to retaliate by implying he doesn't want to cooperate. But Silco clearly has a hold on him. They seem to have been working together for a long time, obviously on Silco's illegal dealings. Plus, it was also implied that Silco had a hand in making him sheriff. So it's not as simple as just walking away. On the next scene, we see Jace and Victor in one of the Hexgate Towers. Victor was upset that Jace didn't announce the research during his speech and was still hammering that Hextech should be improving lives right now. Then we see Marcus, summoned by Jace, come in. Jace showed him his list of suspicious transactions of unauthorized merchandise, and he wants them searched and seized. He intends to root out the corruption. When he asked Marcus for a progress report on the stolen gemstone, Marcus tells him that they are tracking an undercity gang. He was alluding to the firelights. In the background, Victor was coughing blood and was like hallucinating. Before anything could happen, he heard Jace beside him asking if he's alright. He said it's just a headache and went back to the lab. Much later, in their lab, Victor has a theory that they might be looking at the arcane backwards. Instead of molding it to do specific functions, it's actually not bound to do just single functions. He pointed out that it worked through the mages, not the other way around. 
In simple terms, he thinks that Hextech can learn and adapt. Jinx, in the meantime, was fiddling with the stuff she stole from Piltover and was trying to figure out how the gemstone works. When she tried to activate it, it had an explosion-like effect which triggered flashbacks of that explosion that killed Vander and her friends. It was a mistake, she cries. After all these years, she couldn't run away from its shadows. Later, we see her go back to the arcade shop they used to hang out at. She tried to beat Vice high score in the boxing game, but despite giving her best, she still failed, which just flared her temper up even more. Much later, Marcus tells Soko about Jay Stalis being a new counselor and that he was asking questions. It's just a matter of time before he catches up with what's really going on. Silco gave Marcus fake evidence of the Firelight's involvement in the attack to further cover their tracks. And this was just a quick scene, but also still important because we see here the internal struggle Marcus was having with working for Silco. It was very obvious that he was stuck, frustrated about his situation, and he looked like there's no getting out of it. After he left, Silco tells Jinx to find a way to weaponize the gemstone as Marcus is losing his nerves. She admits to Silco that she's too scared to try again. She keeps seeing her old friends. At this, Silco then took Jinx to the river where Vander tried to kill him. He told her that on that day, he was reborn. He tells Jinx that she needs to let Powder die, and then proceeds to baptize her, if you will. Mel, Medarda, Jace, and some of the counselors were attending this prestigious concert, and Mel was telling Jace that he just made himself everyone's common enemy, due to his meddling with Piltover's illegal operations. Everyone has their own agenda. She was basically telling him to learn how to play along. Jace was irked by this and said he never wanted any of this anyway, that Mel pushed this on him. But it's too late. He needs to dance along to the music now and play his cards right, or else he will give everyone what they like to see. And that's for him to fail. So the rest of the evening, Jace spent his time closing deals and forming alliances with some of the nobilities who would invest in his future efforts. At this point, we don't know if Mel is just using Jace for her own gain or really helping him navigate and survive the politics. But we do see them sleep with each other later on. Victor continues to work on the Hextech crystal. Then he started to feel sick and he coughed blood. The crystal absorbed a speck of it and I don't think he saw it do this though. When he woke up, Jace was at his bedside. Victor really looked sick and terrible and the doctors think he has just a short time to live. On the last scene, we see Jinx, feeling reborn and now ready to move forward, working on the Hextech gemstone and seems to be almost close to activating it. While Savika, injured and bleeding, comes in Silco's office declaring that Vi is back. From the dead, he said, both surprised and petrified. And that was where the episode ends. It was a great cliffhanger. So obviously, like I said on the last episode, they didn't know that Vi was still alive. What Marcus told them was that Vi was already dead. So good luck to Marcus explaining that to Silco, especially now that Silco is losing faith in him. Also, Silco's face on that last shot perfectly reflected his greatest fear, which was Vi potentially coming back and taking Jinx away. I do believe that he has genuine love for Jinx, and this is the one person that could take Jinx away from him. I like Marcus' story arc. Like everybody else, he's not a one-dimensional villain. He had high respect for Grayson and even calls her a great woman or something like that. He was having a change of heart, but for some reason, he just couldn't get out of the situation. In the coming episodes, we will learn more about what Silco has on him. 
And not gonna lie, I was excited about the prospect of Caitlyn and Vi liking each other. And I just realized that before the last scene in this episode, Vi didn't know Caitlyn's real name because she just kept calling her Cupcake. And Caitlyn told her to shut up and stop calling her that. And I was like, yep, these two are definitely being set up to be an item and I'd be mad if the writers don't come through because if not, they're just clickbaiting me, okay? <laughs> Alright, so feel free to connect with me on Twitter at The Tito Project. I tweet mostly about SFF movies and TV shows that I've recently been watching. I've also done a recap for episodes 1 to 4. You can listen to them as well. And if you like these recaps, consider following or subscribing to the podcast. Thank you and see you in the next episode.